Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. They play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. We are coming at you the day after the, the loss in the Minnesota Timberwolves. First and foremost, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. It's been a minute since we've recorded. Things have been kind of hectic on my end trying to get everything together. But I'm really psyched to be joined today by Tom Lewis. Tom, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good pretty good i mean we can always flip and talk about you know husky football like we were just doing or you know my great turkey or if, if we need something positive to talk about yeah uh we might need to uh last <laughs> night was was rough on surface uh i mean minnesota is a good team this year don't get me wrong minnesota has been very solid one of my favorite watches surprisingly an awesome defensive team this year uh that kind of held pat last night in a 100 to 98 loss but also when you pull back on surface Obviously, Miles Turner was out yesterday, but also the Timberwolves really just didn't have any wings yesterday. Jared Vanderbilt and Jane McDaniels were both out. Um, I'm trying to remember. They had a third guy who, who was out yesterday as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. But point being, they were missing a lot of guys, too. It wasn't just uh, just Indiana. Um, there's a lot that we can pull from this. Um, but I think I want to just kind of rope this into a larger segment. I mean, Pacers are... One and three in their last four. If you rope in last seven, they're um, three and four, which looks a lot better on paper, obviously. Uh, but these last four games have been pretty difficult. Obviously, the, the Raptors game looked a lot better. Um, I think you saw segments of Domas getting utilized uh, the way that we were accustomed to in some ways, and, and that paid dividends. Um, obviously, the loss against the Lakers was really tough and how that went down in overtime. Uh the Milwaukee loss, I I don't really have anything positive to say about that, and we'll get into it, I'm sure. But last night was just kind of another microcosm of, of some of the issues that we're seeing throughout the season. Uh, the Pacers fall to 9-14, and 14, which keeps them uh, sole owner of the 13 seed. Uh, Toronto's 9-12, and 12, so they're, they obviously have a small buffer ahead. Every other team is 500 or above outside of Detroit and Orlando. So... Uh, Pretty big gap. And then looking ahead, I, I promise I'm not trying to drive the stake in right away at the beginning of this, but just to illustrate, in the next week and a half of basketball, they play Atlanta tomorrow, who has been on an absolute tear until they lost to the Knicks. Uh, but they're back over 500 after a rough start to the year. Uh, then they play Miami on two days later. And then Washington, who they've struggled with earlier this year and has been a surprise team in the Eastern Conference. They play the Knicks again in the third game of the season, Dallas, and then Golden State on December 13th with another back-to-back against Milwaukee and Detroit. Tom, 
I, I know that we talked about at the beginning of the year how important winning some games in the early season schedule would be. Uh, they just really have not been able to cobble together some of the victories that might have been there. I know a lot can be like looking at, at net rating, like they have a positive net rating. They're 12th in that rating right now. Um, their expected win loss is, is, is 12 and 11 through the 24 games that they've, I mean, 23 games that they've played already. Um, they just can't win in the fourth quarter. And th- there's a lot more nuance to it than that. But um, ultimately, this has been a very rough start for, for the Pacers. Where are you at with how, how things have started? And, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, it has definitely been a rough start. And I know that, as you mentioned before the season, we were, you know, kind of talking about obviously the, the schedule set up to be difficult through, you know, the end of December. And if they could be, you know, pretty close to 500, that would be a bonus. And it was just a matter of how far below 500 would they be? And, you know, at what point would it just be, this ain't going to work. We got to definitely be very active before the deadline. Um, and right now, as you mentioned, that schedule coming up, kind of close out December here. Um, it, it's going to be hard to climb, <laughs> climb into that 500, despite the fact that, you know, you, you could, easily flip five or six of these games you know they've had so many close um losses and you know that shows up in that net rating that you mentioned uh, but the fact is they they're getting them done and last night was again it is it is it's just like you know the old groundhog day just seeing this over and over i know uh, in that milwaukee game you know scott had just mentioned he's like God, this is, I've seen this game for the last three or four years. It's just, it's going to be a 10 to 15 point loss. And, you know, they just, the match with Milwaukee stinks. And, and that's the case. But there's been so many games like that this year. I think that the Portland game, you know, we see that road game where they, they fade. And, and these different games where they just don't have a guy to bring it home when, you know, when it's nut crunch time. And um, again, we, we, we kind of saw that last night. I was, I was, when they picked that quick early, you know, 12 point lead beginning of the third quarter, I was like, I mean, like you say, Minnesota is uh, a quality team. And that goes, yeah, they're again. sixth in the West right now, even yeah, after last I mean, night's loss. I was like, this, they're putting together a quality W here. And I was, I was literally about to tweet something like, they're just, if they can avoid that, you know, fatal fourth or whatever dry spell, this could be a really good win. And then I was like, nah, I'm holding off. And then it was like literally from then on. <laughs> it well, never yeah, had, to the uh, point where I would consider sending something out like that. But that was a, that was a deal. It's just like um, every one of the, those tight games, it's just something comes down where, where the execution doesn't, isn't there and, and they can't get over the hump to – to make that play uh, in a lot of those close games. And, and again, I mean, you know, it, it's not an effort. I mean, getting back, I, I thought that game was really going to slide away last night, and they, they got back into it, got it down to where they had a chance towards the end, but but really couldn't get over the hump where they had a chance to, for that winning play at the end. And and uh, it is uh, it just a, a cycle of, of frustration and honestly you know when you get a look at the roster construction and you got a bunch of those uh, you know what 20 million dollar a year 20 million a year guys are middle of the road guys now and they got a bunch of them and they are you know 
This is what it looks like when you're logging miles on the old treadmill mediocrity. Um, you can't get off, get over the hump. And it just, again, doesn't seem like there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't care how good TJ Warren is when he comes back. I mean, the guys have played almost two years. You know, I mean, it, it's he's not going to be the, the quick fix. I, I'd be shocked if, if that was the case. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the best starting point for me with this is just looking at last night. I mean, like you mentioned, they had that 12-point lead. And then Carl Anthony Towns gets fouled, makes one of the free throws, misses the second, but then off the offensive rebound, which was a huge problem last night, just giving up second chance points. Um, and we'll talk about why in a minute, but Cat hits that three, and then they go on, I think, a 29 run to come back into the game. Uh, and, and that kind of sealed it in some ways. Like they really had the opportunity to blow the game open, and then um, it just wasn't there after that. And part of it too is just, I, uh, I agree with you that the roster is a problem, of course, but I got a little bit of flack with this yesterday. And I, part of it is I should have explained myself a little bit better, but I just don't think Rick has coached a very good season. If we're being honest, um, like I, d- despite all of the issues that this team has had with luck and things that have not gone their way in terms of injuries, I do think this team should be better than nine and 14 or, and it's less about the wins and losses. It's more about the process on court. Like last night to a degree, I get it. Um, like having Malcolm guard Carl Anthony Towns to start the game, uh, you know, bringing Sabonis over and help because they, I mean, they started Josh Kogi. So he was, he's a, almost definitely like majority of the time in not sure. I think he's shooting below 30% from three this year. And for his career, he's, he's below league average as a three point shooter. So I get sagging off of him and doubling cat, but also yesterday, like Minnesota attacked that right away. And when, Malcolm was, uh, you know, on like, I mean, if, if they got cat on the wings, they would immediately go to the post. And if he got to the post, that's when Domas was helping over, but cat is too good of a passer to be playing like that. Uh, and they were completely picking apart the Pacers. They were just missing shots in the beginning. Like they were forcing, uh, long rotations, uh, really causing the Pacers to just be a chaotic defense yesterday. And it's not even that the defense was terrible, but, it felt to me like they put themselves in some really difficult situations. And you saw later on in the game too, like Domas played cat one-on-one pretty well. Uh, when he was forced to guard him out on the perimeter. Yeah. That's where you saw some problems. I think he fouled cat twice off drives yesterday. Um, but also it just felt like the team was confused at points because of how much they were switching up the defense. Like they were primarily in a two, three matchup zone um, for most of the game with, with Malcolm playing in the middle, but then like, okay, Chris Finch started to maneuver things and they would feed the ball into cat coming off of movement into the wing to, to, to get him on my, on Malcolm right in the middle of the paint. Like there was just, it, it felt like the, the opening of that game uh, resulted in a lot of easy points for Minnesota that, that mattered quite a bit later, because I do think if, if they're playing things differently, they would have struggled a little bit more in the half where you saw how much on the perimeter they were struggling with, with getting any kind of uh, dribble penetration. Um, and that goes back to Milwaukee too. Like, again, we've, we've seen other coaches who have been in Indiana put Malcolm on, on Giannis, but then offensively they tried to run everything through Karras in the Milwaukee game. And it just wasn't good. Like Karras shot well in the first half, but then it completely fell apart. Both the bigs got benched. Neither of them played well, if we're being honest, but I mean, I just don't think that there's a case that they were put in good positions really 
to, to be effective in Milwaukee. Like, I mean, Domas is barely touching the ball. And uh, Caitlin put this out on, on Twitter, too. Like, we've seen Domas play well against Milwaukee before by, by having some of his regular usage. Um, and, and Miles, too, I think part of it's tough because I, I want to be fair and, and honest in criticism. Like, he did not have a good game against Milwaukee. I think he was a half step slow on everything. But also part of it, too, is he's guarding Pat Connaughton uh, for most of the time. Like, it just was an awkward cross match. And I think, um, like, it, I don't know. I would like to see them at least try and put confidence in, in having Miles trying to defend Giannis. Or less about having confidence, but just, like, let's try something that is not extremely out of the box. And, um, you know, trying that, – that does put this team in a difficult position because I'm not expecting them to beat Milwaukee, but but losing the way that they did, I just don't – I don't, I don't know that you can uh, entirely justify that. And I'm not saying that you're, you're going to, but I just think um, the, the coaching staff definitely deserves some criticism for how the season has gone so far. And it has been a little bit disparaging to me to have everything just continually be put on, uh, on Miles and Domas and the roster construction in general. Because despite that being bad, we have seen it be successful in the regular season. So I just do struggle saying, you know, this is all on the roster and it's not on Rick. Yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like they're, he's just, you know, constantly trying to find something that'll work. I mean, you, you, men, you mentioned all those, you know, matchup issues. And I mean, it, it, to me, it does kind of, you know, you, you can't get away from the roster. It's like you've got the wrong guys in the wrong spots and you don't, it, it's just a Rubik's Cube of is there all the right guys in the right spots? And, um, and that's been the challenge. And, you know, it kind of goes, I, I was thinking about, um, you know, all these adjustments game to game. And, and, you know, even last night, like you gave Isaiah Jackson a little run in the first half and the next second half gave Goga some run trying to, you know, things that we always have complained about, about not getting guys and trying things and, and, and uh, getting frustrated at that. It's like at the opposite end of the spectrum now. Um, you know, I always remember Vogel was like, you know, we, you know, talking about adjusting to what another team's doing at times when they would push, uh, struggle a little bit. And he would say, we want to impose our game on the other team. We want them to adjust us, that type of thing, uh, especially defensively. And, um, and with Carlisle, it seems it's, it's completely opposite side of the coin. Like even he, he's, he's, been quick to just alter and and try something new and a lot of it you know obviously doesn't work at times and and it is frustrating to see and they have to have everything and they're you know just tweak just right to get rolling and it seems like especially i mean god you look at that you know some of those offensive possessions in the third quarter and you can just feel like oh god here we go again like there isn't the movement. You're stuck with, you know, Karis trying to go one-on-one -on -one or, um, you know, Malcolm grinding to try and get a pick to try and get free to, you know, and there's just, you know, guys aren't really moving. There's some bad passes, you know, uh, thinking about a, a Brodman, just that soft, a soft pass in the corner to, to uh, I think it was, oh, no, it was Martin, Ken, Ken Martin. Um way out of rhythm he picks it up but then he shot it anyway you know missed the whole rim just just not the flow and and 
the, the type of offense that you're ever going to succeed with. Um, and yeah, it is, you know, I, I wouldn't not blame anybody. I mean, everybody's got a, uh, a, a part of this. And I know, um, like coaching staff's got to be frustrated, but it's like, can't get so frustrated where you're not doing, you know, getting back to some of these basics and, and just seeing what, <laughs> what we can get out of Domas being a little more involved, handling the ball and, and doing some things uh, down the stretch when it matters. That, that was what was kind of frustrating last night, seeing that um, where just everything's bogged down and, you, you know, you're not, you're not putting them in the right position to, to uh, succeed in the way they have in the past. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you hit on the nail for me. Like this team is, it feels like they're working so hard to try and adapt to what the other team is doing that they're really not forcing the other team to, to like, it, it just feels like they're playing catch up instead of starting with um, a base that they feel confident in at, yeah. at, at any given time on both ends. Um, and that's, what's been frustrating because it just, you, you watch stuff and it, it just continues to be con- confusing. Like yesterday, and this again, uh, it's something that I've I've kind of harped on a lot this year. Like, I just have been a little bit confused with their how they want to use Chris Duarte. Um, and Duarte's had a very good rookie year. He has struggled quite a bit. Last seven games, below forty percent from the floor, below thirty percent from three. Um, obviously, got tossed tonight. He was hot. Um, I. I don't know that he quite needed to get that hot, but I also do get it to a degree. Like he got absolutely clobbered, uh, but that was some bad refereeing. Yeah. The, yesterday was just a poorly ref game on both sides. I thought, but um, looking at it with him, like it's just, I, I haven't really like, like Caitlin and I talked about this as soon as he got drafted, he's coming in to be kind of that Doug McDermott role somebody who does things a little bit differently, but brings some of the same ability as a movement shooter, a little bit more uh, of an athlete can create a little bit more with the ball in his hands, but it almost feels like the coaching staff has leaned into that too much. Um, Like, I think the idea was, okay, Chris is going to be a guy who is operating a ton off the second side, doing secondary things, playing off of the gravity of everyone else in the starting lineup or, or just, you know, whoever else is out there with him, like Malcolm Domas, whoever's handling the ball. Um, but now we just see a lot more of, okay, TJ's in the corner and Chris is, is, is initiating pick and roll or, or, or initiating a set. And it, it's odd. I was talking about this with a friend yesterday who, uh, you know, specializes in, in the draft and, and works in biomechanics too. And they were just talking about like, you know, okay, his, if we, I mean, we're just talking his decision-making on and off ball is drastically different. Like when he's catching the ball and going his decision-making off drives um, or just, you know, coming off of a secondary action is so much better than his his initial, uh, like if he's the primary decision maker, it just goes down a cliff. Like yesterday, part of it, like I don't want to be completely unfair. Yesterday was an outlier in terms of how many turnovers he was, he was throwing, but he had some uh, very forced passes in pick and roll. Like uh, he threw one over to the corner and I mean, somebody came off the top of the key to come grab it because they saw how far it was coming from. Um, I think he finished with four or five turnovers yesterday, but like um, that's, what's been confusing, like both TJ McConnell and, and, and Domas. Like, I think there's been some pushback to people saying, oh, well, you know, they just can't shoot and they're not good in their roles. Well, it's like, okay, we know that they can't shoot and they shouldn't be shooting. And we saw how they could be utilized last year, despite Nate Bjorkman's flaws. And, and, you know, just speaking on coaching, like 
it, it at least felt like he utilized those two guys and got the most out of them. It's just felt the opposite this year. I don't understand um, having TJ off the ball as much as he has been with the bench. Um, and, and again, with, with Chris, like I understand wanting him to get on ball reps and get better um, and try and see if you can coax more out of him, but also like it just hasn't been conducive to winning right now, if we're being honest. Um, it's just been a very rough stretch. One of the one of the brighter spots has been that Justin Holiday has has absolutely come back to life, which has been good to see. But yeah, ultimately not a, not a lot of good to take from this last uh, week and a half of basketball. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, I mean, one thing, um, thinking about Duarte last night, you know, was starting uh, TJ McConnell, um, that was a, you know, the, the size matchup with the, you know, length and athleticism that Minnesota had. Um I felt like, you know, early on, and it showed up on the offensive glass, but um, it was, a, you know, a little bit of a disadvantage there as well. Um, when you're thinking about, you know, Justin Holliday as your power forward. And um, and I thought once Duarte got in there, it you know, things changed a little bit. And that was, and that is where I feel like, like you're saying, he, he's better fitting in that role where he is the fourth or fifth guy out there with the starters and moving up the ball and making plays like that um, as opposed to, yeah, when he ends up ISO with the ball, it's like, oh no. And, you know, and he's been, <laughs> he goes into Levert mode basically and it just doesn't have it, you know, and, and that is, yeah, that's tough to watch. And uh, I, I agree. It's like, he needs to be doing those certain things, you know, a lot more of that, like you mentioned that McDermott type stuff would really suit him well, I think. Um, and, you know, just let him play. Because when, when there's a play to be made um, and it's, you know, there isn't the thinking part of it, there isn't the decision-making and, and all that, just, you know, respond, react, react and respond, whatever, um, you know, he can do some great things. So uh, that that was a kind of some frustrating matchups there as, as well, which, which, you know, like you said, that, that, goes back to the coaching part, you know, you put him in a bind and having him try and do stuff that, you know, he's just not ready to do. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, where are you at with Karis? Because Karis has been a roller coaster. Um, yeah. The last couple games. It's tough. Um, I mean, he really was, you know, 
he's, he's had great moments. And the, the thing that sucks is I know he's not 100%, <clears throat> you know, but I do feel like even if he's not, even when he is 100%, if he's more consistent, uh, that's great. But, you know, that the game, his game fitting in with, with everyone else and especially alongside Robin is just, it's like a coin flip who has a ball and what's going to happen. And it's, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a challenge. You know, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, I feel like he would be a great six man, come in, be a buckets against second units type thing. Um, that'd be a great role, I think, on a, on a good team, you know? I'm talking about, you know, a team where he doesn't have to be one of the leading scorers, maybe. Or maybe he is, but he's off the bench. You know, I mean, that's his role. Um, and then you got, you know, you're starting in it, but um, has a little more flow to it. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been I've been thinking about that. It's just like, there's got to be a way for a guy who can score like that in the NBA to be impactful consistently in a positive way. Um, and, you know, I think about a guy, you know, like a Lou Williams. You have these guys who come in, they just, that's what they do. They get buckets. Uh, they keep you flowing uh, while the shoulders are resting, and then um, you get back. But you know, they're going to need other guys as well to to pull that off. So, um, <laughs> and to get those other guys, he maybe the guy they have to use. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that that's pretty much all over the map on on the boot. But um, it, it is just definitely a day to day thing, which I know. His back is day to day as well, and, and that sucks for him. But um, it, it's definitely impacting the team. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. It's hard because he's in a way, but it's not his fault. But it, he's part of what what feels like in looking at, you know, the team overall just being kind of a seesaw. Like you don't really know what you're getting. It's it's, yeah. it's there's there's no real balance with it. Um, like you look at what he did to close last year. And again, part of it's inflated by pace and the way that they were playing and the defense was non-existent. Um, but I mean, I think he ended up averaging like 25 points per game over the last 12 games last year. Um, I'm not saying he needs to be that, but I mean, 12, he's averaging 12 points per game in the last seven games right now. Uh, mm -hmm. He's taking the third fewest shots on the team in that time or tied for tied for second actually never mind Tim and Duarte are both taking 11.3 field goal attempts per game but it, it's just been odd um I I don't know what to make out of it and it's been hard too because I don't want to be overly critical of him but uh his decision making has been really poor on the ball um like just the tunnel vision has been kind of perplexing um we've seen real flashes of him getting downhill to the rim all the way but that's just kind of been gone the last last week. Um, like Kayla and I talked about it. his first game back. I mean, it looked like he was a completely different player and how often he was getting to the rim and that game against Toronto. Mm -hmm. But pretty much since then, we just haven't seen him get to the rim at the same rate. And that's really important for the offense and, and what they can do for getting things open. But then again, like mentioning, he's just and this is the whole team in general, to, to be completely fair. I thought last night was a little better for for stretches but it was still really poor overall and how often they're getting the role or the ball like it, it not even just the roller like okay is there if there's anybody coming across the open floor uh it just doesn't feel like the guards or wings are routinely capable of getting the ball to them uh 
And it's been, <laughs> it's been a problem. Like, like even, I mean, both uh, Miles and Domas will just be wide open. And I feel like this is, it sounds like the same podcast I've recorded seven times already <laughs> talking about it, but it's, it's just weird. I, I, it wasn't a problem last year at all. Uh, at least not to this degree. Yeah. It was funny that that one, one time it was in the first half when, uh, Sabonis was wide open rolling underneath, and Duarte kind of pump fake past it and then threw it. And Quinn Buckner's like, throw it. He's so open. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hit the ball to the man. Uh, but yeah, and, and you know, with the vert bet, um, it seems like he has like, he, once he starts the ball, it's like, okay, he's got to cycle through these options. He, he was probing to get the ramp. Nope. Then get the ramp, probing to get it. Pull up, nope. Problem to get a turnaround, nope. And then, you know, then it's passed. But it's like that, it, it's just like <laughs> that slow cycle. And it's just like, what are you left with if he doesn't get to one of those three spots? And, and you know, that turnaround's not always uh, a faithful companion to scoring. So uh, it is, that's a frustrating thing when, when, when you get that in the middle of, you know, a starting unit like that. And there isn't that movement and, you know, trying to get guys rolling to the hoop and get those easy buckets. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, well, I guess the next thing I want to ask you, how, uh, how close are you into thinking that this team needs to make a trade? Like, obviously I've, I, I think you and I have both thought they've needed to for a while, but um, I mean, how close are you to thinking that it's actually going to happen? I guess would be where I, I'm okay. going at. Yeah. That. For me, thinking it's going to happen, that was back in August. Um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like it will, you know, I, I just don't see the, you know, they can go 500 through the rest of the month. That would be good, I guess. That would be but, absurdly good if right. they're able to do that. And that's still, they're still going to be, you know, looking at the stands going, God dang, we're, you know, we're still buried. And again, we're talking about they're playing at a great level to get there, right? And and just even saying that is all you need to know. I mean, they got to do something. And I mean, it is past the point because you know, in past years when they had all these you know quote unquote good contracts and and guys, different variable guys that they could could deal, um, you know, the the thought was that you know. They'd be able to get some some picks or or some young good players back, you know, from a team that is really trying to push forward um, to fill out a championship team. Uh, but this time around, I don't know. I, I I struggle trying to construct ideas that are going to be anything other than kind of just letting the season fade and getting trying to get a pick and trying to get players as well, but not necessarily going to improve with a player that's going to come in and improve this team, you know, kind of immediately. Well, what's so hard is like, I mean, I, I'm there with you and I agree. And I think that honestly, this team should be, uh, I don't want to say blown up, but, but there, there has to be some kind of change. And I just think like, I would, I think I'm there with you and I would rather see them, uh, 
maybe commit to to trying to rebuild a little bit but i think we just know that that's not going to happen um based on you know hiring rick to the deal that they did and and just hiring rick in general like no it's not gonna happen um so then you start thinking about like okay what move is even out there that that is going to quote unquote you know move this team in a a positive direction and i i I don't know frankly I i don't have a great answer on that um but like you're mentioning i mean okay let's say they do if they finished uh 500 by the end of the month i mean not not end of the month end of the year so like end of december well 11 of the next 13 games are against playoff teams uh they play houston and detroit and those are the only teams below 500 that they play right now Mm -hmm. uh not great like that is going to be an an extremely tough schedule and i think the likelihood that they actually go 500 on that is pretty minimal so like we could be talking about them being like right now, they're five games under 500. They could be seven or eight games under 500 uh, by then. And maybe they're still in the, the 13 seed or the 12 seed, depending on how things play out. Um, and then it's just like, I, I, I don't know. But also, like, I, I just I don't think this team can really afford to go for a draft pick based on what they've preached coming into the year and what they want to do. So I don't know. Like, things have to change extremely quickly um, if, if yeah. anything would be super positive coming out of this year for what they wanted to do. I, can, I do kind of find it interesting, though, about, you know, I, I, in some ways, I kind of feel like um, if we got Truth Serum into Carlisle, like, I mean, even from the beginning of the season when he's talking about the injuries and, you know, it, it, I feel like he knew this wasn't an overnight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy that's going to turn this thing around overnight. Um, and I almost feel like in some ways he has been kind of coaching to the fact that I'm not concerned about this season's total win loss record. Again, you'd have to have some crazy true certain to get that. This is just my, <laughs> just the way that, you know, like we say, he's been doing so many things, trying so many things. Um, and it hasn't been a, um, it's been a struggle, obviously, but I feel like he's continued to have this, like, well, yeah, patience. Um, this is what we have. We don't have every player, every game. Um, and it just feels like I don't think he, you know, I, I know a lot of people think, oh, Carlisle's never going to want to tank or whatever. I'm not necessarily saying they're tanking, but they're not as con- concerned with um, – the immediate results right now because they i mean it's obvious they don't have they don't have the horses you know they just don't and this league right now is is extremely tough so um I, that's why i feel like there's going to be some trades at some point coming up otherwise somebody down there is just fiddling why this thing is burning down and i just don't i just don't think that's going to be end up being the case um so I guess the point is, that it, I guess it sounds like I'm saying Carlisle would, doesn't mind the team tanking. I don't believe that. But I do think he understands the situation we're in right now. And it, 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 there has to be some change. I can't say it again. They got to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm not. I'm, honestly, I have, I've, I have no idea what to think about the rest of the year going forward. Um, but... We'll see, man. Uh, I mean, I think I'm at the point, too, where it just 
like they're going to get to a point where they have to trade somebody with like I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't know like if they're going to use Domas like this I think they should trade him frankly um, he's kind of just been an afterthought on the team and I know some people will disagree with that um, I just I think it's been pretty clear how underutilized he's been and how important he is to the team he is the best player on the team uh, and if that's not going to fit in with Rick I think that's kind of an indictment of Rick that you can't like, I don't know, like the idea of him coming in was he was going to uh, adapt to the players on the team and it's felt kind of the opposite. So mm-hmm. uh, we will see with that moving forward. Um, do you have anything positive that you want to leave off on? Because I, I do. Uh, I feel <laughs> like we do have to hit on something positive because uh, there is a it has still been a, a, a good month, a fun month, at least, even if it's not in terms of fun for the Pacers. Yeah. And I mean. Honestly, a lot of these games, especially as, as they are, like the Laker game at home um, Wednesday was – it was just a – it was a great show. It was fun. And, you know, God dang it. I mean, I've seen – talk about seeing things a million times over and, and you know, the frustration of LeBron and, and Westbrook whining after every call. and, and the, But, you know, it, it it added to the entertainment value, though. It, it was a good show. And it was – it was, you know, that was, yeah, obviously, again, another game that they they could have won um, and just didn't get over the hump. But there are a lot of, lot of uh, home games this, coming up this month. And, um, you know, the field house renovations, there's still a lot of construction down around the field house and all that. But during the holiday season, you got time to get down there. I mean, it, it's just fun to get in there and, and, um, and, see some of these great players and and get them and and support downtown and, and all that i mean that's always been a blast that the um the, the pacers crew that that runs the games it's always a good time it's just it is has been the crowds have, have been picking up lately and i think that has to do with the opponents as well but i i feel like um but field house when these games are close down the stretch. It's so much fun when, when everybody's into it. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I just implore local folks at least to, uh, get down there because you can get in there pretty cheap these days. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's well worth it to get down there and, and watch this team because, you know, if nothing else, they're going to be in it late <laughs> as we've seen. So, um, hopefully they can sort of win streak here and, and then we will have something positive to actually talk about. Uh, but for now, I'd say, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I got for you. Yep. I, I'm right there with you, Tom. Well, it was good to talk, good to catch up a little bit. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. If you're not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. Of course, read us over at IndieCornrows.com. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.